Hello, Hello Internet. Internet. I'm John Lucas. And I'm Ben Robertson. And this is the ESC Insight Daily Eurovision Podcast live from Turin. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, good night, whatever time you might be listening to this. I'm John Lucas and I'm here with Ben Robertson in the Euro Village, the official Turin Euro Village for 2022. Do a little pilgrimage to see and have a look at uh, what's going on, how Italians are interpreting the concept of a Euro Village. Yes, indeed, it's open today and there's going to be eight days of action here. Most of the nights have Eurovision acts, some former. Many of the current acts from this year will be performing on the stage here. We've just had the uh, Turin Peace Choir, I think, on stage. Mm, very well. Um, and lots of locals have turned up, actually. There are thousands of people who've uh, come down here today. So it's nice to see a bit of um, local enthusiasm for the song contest. Definitely. And I do wonder how many of them actually know what's going on. It seems like it's <laughs> just like a general Saturday place to wander. But um, yeah, it's quite a nice vibe. It's a nice vibe. I mean, I, I've got a piece for ESC Inset that I'm going to be coming out with later this week about the events that are in Turin, how it's it's not like normal Eurovision, let's say. No. And I think lots of it stems from, in the nicest way possible, there's not a Eurovision culture here in Italy in the same way as Eurovision fans anticipate a Eurovision culture to be. Yeah, it's like when you go to Stockholm or, or, some, or somewhere like that, or even Copenhagen, you know, you get the, the real Euro fan, they really cater to that. This definitely feels more like they built it for Italians and whoever else might come. We'll have yeah. a good time. Yeah. And then you bring your anxes down, they're giving out some coffee and some Philadelphia cheese there on the sponsors. <laughs> the police have come with some confiscated animals. It, it, people have just come to show off what they have. Yeah. And there's little of it that is song contest based. And we have to accept this sometimes. When the Eurovision Song Contest travels to different places, mm-hmm. lots of these kind of things, you know, they're not requirements in the way you have to do it a certain way each city is going to interpret this in their own way shape and form one thing that i think is important is of course to bring the eurovision community together and to have events that actually attract them to your venue many thousands of eurovision fans are here in Turin this week mm-hmm. but uh, but if you want to maximise your economic potential from hosting the Eurovision Song Contest, you do want to have things that actually bring them in. And Eurovision fans will pay <laughs> handsomely Build for it events. and we will come, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, they've they opened up, it's a private venture that's opened up this Euro Fans Cafe south of the um, arena, about a 25 minute walk from the arena. Um, people are being charged 15 euros a night and they've come, and there's very little advertising mm-hmm. and they've come sold out I believe every night there's some dotings available but otherwise every night European fans are very happy to pay that oh, for sure. a night of their music and their dancing their DJs and you know the supply does not meet the demand of yeah, that. at the moment it doesn't know but, but on the plus side paninis and Peroni as far as the eye can see absolutely <laughs> I mean you know being part of Eurovision on the ground is a Eurovision experience. It's also the city experience. Yeah. And like, we, we, you know, the community can bemoan the lack of their space. But actually, 
know, Euro club wise, you've got ten different spaces. We do. We, we, I've not tried any of them yet, but um, yeah, I mean, there, there's been some speculation that the Euro clubs might be kind of Euro clubs in name only, and like, maybe we'll be doing some discounts for Euro fans, but not necessarily playing, you know, national final hits from years gone by, as in as much as just playing the latest club hits. No, but there's a cool, there's a few other cool things that maybe you know are enjoyable and different and give you the right kind of level of taste of culture. I really think the good idea from the tourist board to coordinate, I think there's 50 different restaurants who are doing a, like, you get one plate of food with four different tastes from that restaurant, plus one drink for a set price in each different restaurant. I think 15 euros, and you can go to different restaurants and try out their Eurovision plate, they're calling it. Oh, wow. It's a really, you know, going out, especially, you know, you've got premium, secondi, and all the different, how do you order food here? plate of food, drink, <laughs> set price, easy for tourists to understand. A great initiative to actually like... So oh, that's, that's nice, so you can order from the local menu, the a la carte menu, or the Eurovision menu. Absolutely, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I like it, I've not tried that yet. We, so we've got the events page up on the ESC Insight. Mm-hmm. I, I've tried to go through the whole list from the city of events, because you know, again, like the city events, they kind of pushed them out to this Italian journalist, and the Eurovision journalists have missed out on the information. So I've tried to like work out and put the two things together. So the events page on the ESC Insight site will have you know, the Euro Club venues, the Eurovision Village schedule. It will have uh, a link to the list of the restaurants, other events that are going on. Everything so you need, out. basically, yes. Everything you need to find to get the best out of this city. Because there is a lot going on and it is a beautiful city. How have you, how have you been finding the city in general so far? It's it's a nice place to be. It's a nice place to be now. It is not pouring down with rain. Sure, we've had rain every day so far, but it does seem we have had a little break in the clouds at the moment. It's nice and green. Uh, I think your, your original week should be excellent from what I've heard. So obviously, I think we're it's going to be an upwards. Yeah, like, like the UK rehearsals, it's going to be like an upwards. Well, yes, <laughs> so absolutely. The sun is breaking over the clouds after far too long. So the one takeaway from all of that little conversation there is the city is going above and beyond what they need to do to host. Turin is very much an event city. Um, I've seen in their branding for this, they've like coordinated special things for the arena down there. For now, and also for the ATP Tennis Championships in November, the finals are going to be held in the same arena. And they've got a coordinated package of his other transport works and the events in town for both of those things. Turin's an event city and wants to brand itself as an event city. Do you think that maybe sometimes when a Eurovision is hosted outside the, the nation's capital, you get a little bit more of that kind of intensive focus on catering to the fans because it's maybe not as big of a city as... I feel like if this was being hosted in Rome, it would be lost a lot more because there's so much else going on in Rome and Rome's so big. Well, certainly I, I love the feel of Eurovision in smaller places, but maybe for a different reason. Uh-huh. I think it's more because you want a city to want to host. Yeah and you may not get that feel of things in Rome, for example. People always refer to it, and I have bias, so if you want to hit me for saying this, you can. I, I know there's bias in what I say. The Stockholm Eurovision 2016 is iconic from a fan perspective. Yeah. Come Together as the slogan was really embraced by SVT, by the EBU supporting it, by the city of Stockholm especially. I reason that Stockholm pushed Eurovision hosting so much because we're bidding for the World Pride, yeah. we're bidding for the Winter Olympics. And Eurovision came at the perfect time for the city to show we are an event city. I mean, 
No. Stockholm 2023 or something on the cards. Seems to be, yeah. For and sure. I actually would worry a little bit that Stockholm is a city maybe it's not in the same place as it was in 2016. Um, we saw with Malta hosting Junior Europe from 2014, they threw everything at that. It was their chance to shine and to show off what they could do on that kind of playing field. 2016 was not the same. There was no incentive or desire to show off the country in the same light. Um, if the best places that host are the places that are looking for a reason to show off. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, absolutely, I agree. And that's another reason why, if the UK, not to get ahead of ourselves, but if it does go to the UK, I wouldn't want to see it in London. Because I think London would lose it in the way that Rome would lose it. I don't know enough about London and where London is as a place to know if London would want to embrace it. Yeah. I would expect for the politics of the United Kingdom and otherwise, if the UK wins and we are having this conversation. It's nice to have this conversation. We're having this conversation. I suspect there will be a plethora of cities with infrastructure that would be interested. Come on, Leeds. We can do it. <laughs> but no, I agree completely, absolutely. Um, I, I, I'm, yeah, so Turin feels like a nice sized city for this kind of thing because it's, it's, it's not too overwhelmingly big. There's not too much else going on. They, they are able to actually cater to the fans. I think you, you're right in saying, I think if there's anything that they're not doing particularly well, it is communicating how much is going on. Yes, but then, you know what, I am actually going to put a more of an overarching thing on this. I don't know if it's the city's fault. Um, there was a press conference by the city for the Eurovision Village events on Thursday. I, I see the EBUs published on Eurovision.tv today on Saturday. Those two things are not joined up. This is a higher level than the city. Whoever's overseeing the event of Eurovision on both sides of things is where the coordination should be. So that both of these things marry together. If you have a situation that, you know, as the community has bemoaned that the press center was small this year and was closed in the first few days, that press conference on the Tuesday rather than the Thursday, bringing the Eurovision press in, spreads it out much more. We feel it's a cohesive package. Like the event of Eurovision is now at a point that is so big and is so valuable to the brand of Eurovision to the city, they should be joined together more than they are today. Speaking of packages, um, today we saw the package, for the first time we saw the full packages for the, the big five in the rehearsals. It's been a very eventful day. I think it's had a very big impact on what people are thinking in terms of where this year might go. So um, we opened today with France. What did you make of France today? France did a lot of what we expected. They've always had a national final mm -hmm. and staging concept wise is very similar from that um, the extra pyro that we have in here is a delight oh yeah um, but again it's a little bit what we expected the thing that I really love in the French national final was the franticness of the camera angles mm -hmm. it really made it feel different it gave a lot more life to the performance than you just have from being in the arena watching them because they are quite static yeah um, I thought there was, it was, you know, if it was in seventh gear where the camera's moving in the French national final, this is more like fifth gear. Yeah. It's not well, quite I think, as I intense. think someone counted 50 camera cuts in the first minute, which is still quite a lot. It's one of the one of the most frenetic performances this year, I'd say. Yeah. I mean, that's not, this is somewhat of a mid-tempo year, so that might be a factor, but yeah. It's been discussed by numerous people, and I can fully understand 
as a show opener. Yes, I can see France opening. They, they, they drew first half, so that they, that puts them well in contention to be the show opener. They do have quite a lot on stage in terms of props. There's a lot of pyro. Um, they've got, I think they've got an elevated stage, if I remember correctly, that the, the, the women are standing on. So if they want to get something on stage without having too much hassle, without having to do a quick change, it would make sense. And this is, it's got that dynamite, you know, again, because there's not that many up-tempos this year, and obviously it depends who qualifies, how much they have to spread those out. But I can definitely see this being like a classic Eurovision performance in many ways. It's not going to be too alienating for people, but it's going to be sort of a high-energy opener that's going to get people with it, oh yes, this is classic Eurovision in many ways. It's visually impressive and it opens the show with a, with a kick. So I can definitely see France opening. Yes, um, and also there's a bit of narrative in that it kind of follows on sonically from Shum. Mm-hmm. And having that little follow-on there is something... Did Shum close last year? No, it was second to last in the semi-final and it was drawn late in the final. Okay. Um, but it... it, it, it some, I, a style of performance that echoes something that is familiar because in a sense the French entry is quite strange to a first of all from a European point of view in the modern 2022 context that actually feels like what modern Eurovision is yeah 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 for sure yeah do you think Fra- where do you think France are looking at now in terms of scoreboards I've been concerned that as I really enjoy the song and I enjoy the performance I've always wondered whether it will connect with enough viewers to place on the left-hand side of the scoreboard. Do you, where do you think they're looking at at the moment? I have a really big range for France, actually. Uh-huh. I'm very unsure about where France goes. Um, I could see scenarios where it is top ten. I can see scenarios where it is bottom ten. Yeah. It's... While it has those similarities I mentioned to Shum, and I don't want to just go back and be one of those fans that's comparing things to things, that was also something that I was quite unsure about. Mm. And I don't... Like, if you look at criteria that juries have, it's got originality, but I wouldn't say any vocalist. It doesn't have that big vocal moment. No, it doesn't. Um, and it's different, and different is divisive. So it may score very well in certain regions. Um, you know, if I, I, w- I will do comparison again, and I hate doing this. But we've seen how the Spanish national final has really amplified a very similar kind of act. Could the same region want to support? Yeah, w- Willis gets points from, from Ireland, for example, who they're, they're very linguistically close to the Breton language as well. Perhaps yeah. um, it would be that's going to be a fascinating bit of postmodern analysis. Yeah. My my spectrum of results. Is, France is all over the place. Same, it's the one, it's the one of all the t- songs in the Big Five, because the Big Five have really brought it this year, it's the one I could most see either being lower top ten or dead last, and neither would particularly surprise me. Yes, and this is where we need to remember that, you know, sometimes the song content is more important than the scoreboard. For sure, for sure, but what we do know is that France have delivered a really strong performance again, and something they can really be proud of, and they seem to be on an upward trajectory. I, I don't think they're going to match Barbara Cravi's results, but in a more holistic sense, you know, they seem to really be in a bit of a golden age right now, and long may it continue. Indeed. Next up to rehearse today was Italy. And I think it's safe to say Italy's rehearsals didn't go quite as well. No. Now, I've been warning for a long time that Italy would not rehearse well. And the artists were ill-prepared. They were tired and they've said as much. Um, they have been out touring by themselves, not together, and it shows. 
But Italy also doesn't really need rehearsals. They didn't properly rehearse in the sense of San Remo. Like every night was different and the charm of their performance each night was how they just found something and went for it. You can't really do it in Eurovision. You've got to have, you know, the camera cuts are there. You can't just have your camera say, point at me. Do you think that's a bit of a problem generally is that in Italy they have, and in San Remo they have this kind of, there's a sense of spontaneity that you just not, can't really replicate in Eurovision because it is, there are so many more restrictions. Yes, Eurovision in many sense is an afterthought. Um, and you always have to have an act that compromises to that. I was prepared for that. I was prepared for it to be a poor rehearsal musically. I therefore judged the rehearsal by what it was visually and that did not impress me either. The lighting here is cold, it doesn't complement either artist. Um, costume wise they were very striking I thought in San Remo, I think they're less striking now. Yeah they seemed, I can't remember exactly what they were wearing but it, I remember it just seeming very everyday. Yeah, there, wasn't much of a, there wasn't much of a visual story being told admittedly. No, and like, if you go back to San Remo's performances, your highlight when, you know, you have that building bridge and then it just cuts out to their voices. Yeah. It's a long shot. Yeah. That's the point when you want to think that they are magical and instead you see some pretty lights in the backdrop. Yeah. And they're not that pretty, actually. It's almost lovely horse syndrome. Lovely horse syndrome, yeah, a little bit. It, 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 it doesn't feel like a staging... I don't think it's like sabotage, but it doesn't feel like a staging from a country that are particularly hungry to win again. I would wish that they just said, here's a spotlight, sing a song. Yeah. Second spotlight comes on, sing together. Um, this is forced in a way that... I mean, can they bring something? Yes, they can. But I, I feel they are now too tooled up with it has to be like this because... Eurovision runs of Q-Pilot, they have, they have, they've set out, Blanco will sit on the piano, did it every single time. It, it might just pass them by. They might just walk through the jury show and kind of forget. Yeah, this has been right up there in the odds since day one, since day one. It's been Ukraine, Italy, Sweden, the rest. For, at the moment, I'm seeing this as probably start a, a respectable top 10 result because it has been a massive hit. I'm sure it'll still get a lot of votes. Um, but I'm not seeing this as a contender to win anymore. No. Based on what we saw there, no. It, on song merit, it should probably deserve it quite comfortably, I will dare say. Yeah, it's a great it, song. It, it, and it is so well constructed, but if you don't have a character that you want to like and engage with, then you don't pick up the phone and vote. You don't vote in this thing for songs, you don't vote for artists or vocals, generally. You vote for a character having the time of their life and bringing the song, the music and the stage together as one. Well, that's a perfect segue for the next person who rehearsed, which was our very own, well my very own, I guess it depends on you would identify these days, but um, Sam Ryder from the UK, who I think it's safe to say had a smash of a rehearsal today, absolutely smashed it. Uh, he can sing. He can sing. <laughs> we, we can know, sing. We know he can sing. He can carry a tune. He can yeah. sing in his sleep. Um, so there's never an issue with that. And it, I think it's got another gear as well. 
there are a couple of things, I'm sure we'll mention them, that we know need to be tighter. But, what I was just saying there about the character is really key. The moment of pure joy is how they've changed the structure of the song to give it progression. Less of the first verse, you've got a Conchita shot where it looks like Sam is floating in midair yeah. in the middle of a blacked out arena. The camera comes in, comes in, he's still dark, it comes in, gets to the chorus, sings his note, great. When you get past the bridge and the song is ending, it's on its crescendo, and he has already sang all the notes. Oh, yeah. Spot he, on he the is money. Like Darmy Imming this thing. It is, you know, it's one of those. You couldn't ask for a more Jory Catnip vocal than this. If he delivers it at the level on Jory Night in particular and Final Night that he's delivered it in these rehearsals, it's already you know, top five with the Jorys. If there's any kind of, if anything makes sense. Anything, it's any justice, yeah. yes. But then he picks up the guitar, yeah, and it's not ended yet. The podcast. Keep listening. Uh, yeah, Keep listening. Yeah, yeah. But he picks up the guitar. He's a step away from the mic, and he strums, and he plays, and he lets it rip. And you've got this shot, when the camera's looking up at him, the lights have turned gold. He's got the guitar, the hair is flowing, and that five seconds is a superstar being born. Completely. You and a diff and not just a superstar. It is so likeable yeah he's having so he really is they, they couldn't have found a, a participant who a representative with in terms of attitude you know he's such a good character and he just he exudes positivity and joy in every second of the performance and you're right that moment could be obnoxious it could be annoying it could be like a jump the shark moment but it's not because he's just having a good time and it's it's not po face but it's also not too jokey it's just it lands in that sweet spot of just unself-conscious fun. It's British without the Union Jack. Yes, it's, and, and, and thank God there's no Union Jack on stage. Thank no. God. Yeah. Uh, it's, we, we, we've joked a bit before, the UK is in the mix to win it. Now the UK winning the song contest is very hyperbolic. Yeah. There are lots of things that need to happen for the UK to do it. But there's a lot of songs in this year's contest that tread water. I'm going to be uh, you know, put a negative spin on things here. I was, I put a downer on the first day of rehearsal we saw on the Wednesday. We saw some good things. We saw Ukraine bring some nice staging, Greece brought some nice staging. So many of the songs stayed flat. They didn't bring an A game, a show, a look at me, I am doing this at the best I have ever done this on this stage right now. That moment is now because Sam's career has for the most part been online yeah. the way the world has been the last two years that moment is the and you can see the smile on his face is that oh my god I'm doing it moment yeah, he's never played a stage this size before and he's you know sometimes that can be a detriment if somebody doesn't have big stage experience they can drown but this is someone who clearly is able to command that stage and feels born to be on that stage it's, it's an absolute pleasure. It's yeah, an it's, absolute pleasure to witness. Yeah, it, it's definitely in the in the mix now. Do you think? Again, we're being very optimistic because it could just land in the mid table. But if it, do you think it's more likely that this wins jury vote or televote? 
ask me in a few days later on Sunday afternoon <laughs> no no when I see if there's been big pickup on TikTok okay after the first rehearsals I was concerned that Sam Ryder was fourth out of the five acts on views on TikTok because yeah. that's him he should, he should be like he sends that across to his followers and it goes through now TikTok is very algorithm based yeah um, so if people watch things through, it gets pushed out to other people. It's very aggressive for doing that. Yeah. But I, I want to see that kick in to prove that he has a fan base out there because the UK does not have two shots. Yeah. It doesn't have a semi-final to go through. Yeah. So it needs to have the... Because you know, how many people are going to see the UK will see the flag and go to the toilet. Yeah, that's a possibility. That's what everyone's worried about, that the televote is a complete wild card. It's a complete wild card. But, he, you know, you look at the kind of winners people have won in the past is personalities. Netta, her personality was such a huge part of why she won. In a very different way, I think Salvador's personality was a huge part of why he won. You know, a lot of the time that does come into play. Not always, but, you know, certainly more often than not. So I think that's something Sam really has on his side, is having a very... TV friendly personality. Um, so yeah, the UK, as, as you mentioned, they, they drew second and uh, to much uh, cheering and acclamation. Uh, and then they were followed by another one that really kind of knocked it out of the park, Spain. Spain have had quite the glow up. Fantastic, fantastic. Now, the whole thing about this song is performance. The performance quality here is as good as any pop star on the planet. Yeah, my first thought was J-Lo. As soon as I saw it, I was like, that is J-Lo at the American Music Awards, you know, at the height of her career, you know, or J-Lo at the Super Bowl, you know. It is, it feels that expensive, it's that well choreographed, it's that charismatic, everything feels like this is a world-class pop performance. So if you've seen the National Pan performance, yeah. 90% yeah, of first verse, second verse, and the choruses, and the dance breakdown is the same. Yeah. Brilliantly coloured, but the same. The last 30 seconds, how she is doing it! Like, she's sliding across the floor, almost backflipping over the dancers while singing, and tactically, gamesmanship from Spain here, they've given space for slow-mo to have a jury note. <laughs> There's an article in Easy Inset that I've written critiquing, not this performance, but it came out at the same time. It's fantastic content Very for us. Very good timing for this article, yeah. How the jury criteria, number one of them, is vocal capacity. Yeah. And capacity is a loaded term. It's your range of your it's like vocal. who's doing the most singing. And they have put in a note this this audio is not available on Spotify or anywhere else I wonder if they'll release this reverb or if this you know to Spotify after or if this is purely just for your original stage I don't know the answer to that yeah. right now but we've only heard it for the first time right now and it is deliberately intentional to make it Eurovision friendly on the scoreboard Eurovision friendly at that so you've got Spain doing this here and they've also added 
like a, like a fanfare part. There's a fanfare at the start. There's a mariachi part at the start, or a mariachi yeah. style part at the start, yeah. It's, it's so clever. It reminds me, what a lot of what they've done with this reminds me in some ways of what Sertab Erina did with Every Way That I Can in 2003. It's not like she's completely reinvented the song. It's the same basic song, the same structure, but it's everything's just been turned up a notch just in the right, in a very well-judged way to make it more dynamic, less repetitive, to make it really pop on stage. Everything just feels bigger, there's a pyro moment that feels really well earned. The only pyro curtain yeah, of the, the 40. The only golden shower. Even the UK resisted a golden shower. Spain have got one. They've got a reveal, which I won't say what she reveals. I don't want to spoil it. They specifically asked us not to spoil it in the press conference, and I'll honour that. But it's good. It's, it's a good reveal. If you're having a Eurovision party, it will be the moment. It will make you drink, yeah. It's a shame it's first half, from a production point there of view. Was, when I tell you the groan in the press centre when this pulled first, I, thought, Paul, I think Paul Chanel was a little bit bewildered why everyone was suddenly so upset, but yeah. That being said, bit drawing first half is obviously never ideal. I don't see them putting this on in the first five performances. You end your first half. You cannot yeah. have anybody perform it's, after Chanel. It is big, that good. Yeah, it's too big to, to throw away in the first five songs. So this, this will be... Uh, yeah, nine to thirteen, I think for sure. And it, well, if Italy's, if we talk about big favourites, yeah. and generally big favourites get split. It's not always true. Yeah. If you believe that mantra. And we, yes. This is twelve. Yeah. Italy's nine. And Italy nines. If anybody does his first half, they're six. They're five. Yeah. Any of the big favourites, you mean? Such yeah. As, like, such as Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, we already have. We know UK are going to be second half. Um, who in the semis? trying to think of, other than Ukraine are the obvious ones who else could come through from the semis as a potential winner Sweden Sweden Sweden, of course Sweden yeah so Poland Poland yeah Sweden on six that would be that would be a challenge for them yep. for sure so I think Sweden are going to be really really fingers crossed crossing their fingers and toes for second half even more so than usual this year so because the world the world needs to be spaced out from Italy and from Chanel now and well there's lots of slots out there and Spain I, I am happy to say Spain is another one in the mix to win it because they're it, this genre does not get better than this. No, this is Fuego level. No, Fuego is second rate to this. Okay, well. No, Fuego, musically, one can argue, works better. The performance of this blows Fuego out the water. Completely. This is such levels of music entertainment that is an a- absolute pleasure. And come on, I am not the demographic. No. This is an Easy Insight podcast. We're not demographic to really go for this kind of genre. I am, but you're not so much. <laughs> it's world class. It is world class, absolutely. And it will be. It's interesting because so many of the other favourites are quite moody and either mid or mid-tempo to ballad. You know, Ukraine, Sweden, Italy. This, you know, if, if the public really wants a party song and feels like this year isn't giving them a lot of party songs to choose from, this really stands out as the one that they could potentially gather around. So this is definitely a contention, and I would not have said that about Spain 24 hours ago. So, very, very good day for Spain. And the final one, Germany, is brilliant. So smart, so authentic. Um, It appears on stage that he is making all the instruments loop in the way I hated that Netta faked. And the way the camera is as close as that microphone is to me while he does that intense rap is similar, maybe not quite as world-class as Chanel is. But that, again, as a musical entertainment moment is brilliant. I'm so, so 
happy with how Germany has came with their product and that will be the best performance of that song for the entire season. Do you think this could do well though? Because they've also drawn first half and of all the big five, I think Germany have been had the least amount of kind of hype behind them in terms of potential to do well this year. Yes, I do think that can do well. I'm not gonna say it will do well, because I don't know if there's necessarily a voting block for the type of music. Yeah, my thought is in, in, in Germany it's a much bigger hit now than it was when it won the national it's final. Re- it's had a little slow burn success on the German charts, I've noticed yet. It has kind of crept up. I think initially it kind of got a muted reaction, but then I think radio, local radio picked it up, and now it's actually doing quite well in the charts. So it has been embraced at home. More so than, to be honest, Sam Ryder has, interestingly enough. He's getting good airplay, but he's not actually in the Spotify charts or the Shazam charts, which is quite surprising to me. But we'll see if that changes this week when the press picks up on how well he's doing. But um, yeah, Germany have actually given the, sent the song to the charts, which I don't think happened with Gendrick or his sisters. So in that sense, it's got a leg up. I'm, I agree. I wonder with this one, I'll be honest, it's not to my taste, but I can see what you mean in terms of it being effectively performed. The moment when he does the rap and it's very in his face, I, I do wonder if that might be a little bit too aggressive for your Eurovision you know, evening, especially quite early in the show. Will this turn more people off than it turns off? And if it does, so be it. Yeah. There's no other way of doing that. Yeah, this is the song they have now, and I think, I think you're right. They've done, what they, they've done it in a way, the best way that they can. As a, as a piece of musical theatre, Germany is trying to get across intense building emotions. A steady cam rolling around Malik, getting closer as he gets more anguished, is exactly how you do that. Whether people like it or not, again, sometimes it's better to be authentic than to just be higher on the leaderboard. Because you're not going to win if you're just aiming to do well on the leaderboard every separate entry after, after Fuego. <laughs> It's interesting, I've been talking a lot this week about the little internal battles that have been creeping up in the different entries. So obviously Sweden and Greece have an internal battle between these two quite moody alternative ballads, female-fronted. We have Azerbaijan, Poland and Australia in semi two all serving very similar jury-friendly power ballads. And we have um, now we have Germany and Serbia in the battle of the anxiety songs. And I'll be interested to see which of the anxiety, the potential COVID anxiety songs is going to is going to take off with the public and the juries. And now we've heard all 40, so it's really game on. It really, this is it, this is the exciting part now. We have heard everything, we've seen every rehearsal. Now we're going to be moving into the live shows. The next, the next thing is going to be the dress rehearsals for the semis. What are you looking forward to the most for the next few days now? I'm looking forward to the change in perception of the Eurovision Song Contest. The UK audience is going to have a complete 180 in what the UK can do at Eurovision, regardless of result, because the moment on stage is so wow. In a way, I don't remember a UK act having. Spain will have the same push, and they're two of the biggest fan communities out there, and to witness how it's going to be so different in their countries, when they when they had the ones delivering the quality, that's what I'm looking forward to. I think both Benidorm Fest and especially Tap Music, they have a big, they have big shoes to fill now. How are they going to follow this up next year and keep this momentum? Because they're both, I mean, considering the, 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 the circumstances in which Chanel was chosen and there was a lot of controversy, she didn't, she didn't even come close to winning the public vote back this year. But it's all worked out very well in the end of the teams. And I think all of the any kind of 
mi mixed feelings about her have probably evaporated in the Spanish fans at this point. I really hope so. I hope so too. Because she did. She, I mean, she really took a beating from the from the press and from online initially. And I always, I actually wondered whether she'd stay the course or drop out. But this is like a massive middle finger now to everyone who criticised her because she has proven that she 100% deserves to be on that stage. My only on t in terms of the UK, my only concern is, I agree with you, I hope that this is a sea change in the UK and we could have a better ambassador than Sam. And I hope his press conference speeches that he's given about Brexit and about... Uh, the, after, I hope they... Spot on the money. I hope they get coverage in the UK and, and, and get across because they are... He's so eloquent with that. I do wonder if the UK does... Let's say the UK wins the jury. Again, that's a big if. They win the jury, they're right up there. And then if the televote is soft, if it's 50 to 100 points, knocks him back, that's, it, I just know the UK press will still be like, well, the public don't like us very much, which is so not the case, but that concerns me. So I do hope that if he wins, I hope he wins big. Can somebody fix that TikTok algorithm now? Yeah, get him trending. That's where the votes will come. Because the votes as a song, Spaceman is a vehicle for Sam. Yeah. The song is not going to be a Eurovision classic. He's the Eurovision classic. Yeah, yeah he, he, not to use a pun, but he elevates it for sure. He, he is the, he is the sound point. So. Fantastic. Yeah, so it's been a good, good day and there's good things to come. And we will be here, of course, following it all as we always do. We'll be more podcast every day through the next week as we react to all the latest developments. So Ben, all that's left to say is... Um, the band are already playing them. The band are already playing them, but go ahead. The guitars.